scripture memory verse tonight, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we have been entrusted by God with the gospel, we speak, not as pleasing to man, but God who tests the hearts. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Did I say 2 Thessalonians? I thought I did. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we have been approved by God, to be entrusted with the gospel so we speak not pleasing to man but to God who tests the hearts 1 Thessalonians 2 4 it's got some twists to it anybody else 1 Thessalonians 2 4 but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel Good job, Michael. I think I did it twice and still didn't get it right. But my brain's been somewhere else this week with my wife sick. But it's uh, the context that we want to get. So anybody else want to try it or read it? I'll read it. Yes, ma'am. interesting that Thessalonia means uh, victory by falsity. Victory of falsity. Victory of falsity. That's what Thessalonians means. Let me see. Victory of falsity. Victory over falsehood I think is what it would probably be easier to understand. Anybody else want to try it? Read it? Church of Thessalonica was in the Macedonian region uh, by Philippi, so it's related to the prison epistle of Philippians that we actually were in last week. We, as our scripture memory verse, um, Paul spent like little to no time here, two to three weeks, and yet, you know, in the church today, we always think that. Uh, eschatology or rapture or or things that are to come are really meat doctrine Paul taught them in every single chapter about the rapture of the church about meeting the Lord in the air he's reminding them because there's false teachers out there and he actually calls these things elementary principles in the book of Hebrews which I believe he is the author anybody else want to try it you don't have to I'm not trying to push anybody off the edge you can read it even from the scriptures Well, let's get some context then. And what I want to do is um, actually start back in verse 1 and see what God would teach us. And, and for you yourselves, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, know, brethren, he's writing to the church, brethren, see that? That our coming to you was not in vain. It was not empty is what the word vanity means or vain. 
uh, devoid of truth or purpose. So they came with something that was very important when they came to them in the church at Thess- in the in the uh, place at Thessalonica. Of course, there was no church there when Paul got there. He planted the church there, and so there was no church. He came there. He shares the gospel. They hear him. They believe, and then he teaches them. And then he's on his way. And then after he gets to the end of that second missionary journey, he comes back through encouraging and strengthening the churches. And we're going to go there in a minute. We're going to read uh, some of it in Acts chapter 17. But let's look at verse 2. So so listen, what I would look at with, with empty or vain is that never think that you share the word of God and it returns void or empty. The word of God, when it goes out, it always, because it's living in power, it always accomplishes what it's purpose to do. You might speak it and say, well, that fell on deaf ears, but somebody heard it. Someplace in their conscience, it was planted. It's a seed. It's the word of God. It's truth. And so it's not empty. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2.2. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, so he told him the testimony, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Now what happened, this is pretty crazy, and you can read about it. It's over in Acts chapter 16. I'm not really going to tell I'm going to paraphrase it, because we'll be here forever if I go read all of this again. But Paul and Silas are on the second missionary journey, and they're planting churches. And they wanted to go into, uh, uh, they wanted to go north, and his spirit withheld them. So they, he gets a, he gets a vision in the night of a Macedon, they call it the Macedonian call, the region of Macedonia. And so they go into this region, and when they get there, they're in the city of Philippi, and they're, and they're going around just sharing the gospel in the marketplace the way we should be doing, the way Christians are supposed to be doing. Don't, don't miss that, that every man in the Bible, every person we're reading about, they were sharing the gospel out loud in the marketplace because me going out there and loving and being nice and smiling does not save anybody. But when I share truth into their heart, it's going to divide. Some are going to believe. Some are going to get mad. Some are going to scream and yell, and some are going to say, tell us more. It divides, because God is doing a work. So they get to this area, and they're going around, and this girl that is demon-possessed begins to follow them. And the word possession, in case you don't know, is the word echo. See, we echo what we believe. Who possesses us, we echo that. So it's the same thing. When you Possession is echo. So if I am possessed by God and his spirit lives in me, I should be echoing his word that he's already spoke because that's what sets people free and that's who I'm becoming. She has been used by all these men as for divination. She's reading palms. She's giving them uh, uh, a spirit uh, uh, guides uh, uh, explanation, we would think, because it's divination. She's telling them the future. And she keeps following them and she's saying... These are the the prophets of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most High God. And after about a week of it, Paul just gets so frustrated with her that he turns around and he says, In the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the Spirit came out at that moment. And so her masters and owners 
have him arrested and thrown in jail. And they put him in the stocks. And at midnight, what are they doing? They're in bondage in the jail. But at midnight, Silas and Paul are singing hymns. They're worshiping God and singing real loud. And everybody is listening. Everybody's listening. They've got everybody mesmerized like, wow, you're in the same shape as we are, but you know you're here because you're following God. You know that your God's in control. And he allowed you to be where you're at right now so that you could share the gospel. And see, that's where we got to get a heavenly perspective. You didn't end up at the gas station almost out of gas. You didn't end up at the job place you're at. You didn't just end up what you're doing. You're there and God has got a purpose behind it. And he wants to use you as a witness there. No matter what condition you're in, he wants you to choose life and to share life with others. No matter how hard it might be. And so they're singing. And what happens? An earthquake. The whole jail, the doors fall off. And their chains are broken. Listen, worshiping the Lord will take the bondage away from your life. It breaks the chains, and we can become chain breakers. We don't have to let the bonds of the devil and the bonds of lies hold us. We can worship God and serve him in spirit and truth. And so you would think, and I would think, and I think everybody would think, that when the jail doors fall open, that everybody would leave. So guess what had happened? The jailer who was outside watching the gates he had fallen asleep. And he woke to see the doors like that, so he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, don't lay a hand on yourself. We are all here. We haven't went anywhere. So he runs in and he bows down to Paul and Silas, and they make him get up and they share the gospel. And him and his whole household is saved. They come to Jesus, but nobody left, not even the ones that were convicts that, that weren't with Paul and Silas. They stayed in there because they knew something was going on and that there was some power in the place and that Paul and Silas had a message and they spoke it with boldness and they weren't afraid. It wasn't their boldness. It was from God. And that's what he's saying. That, so, so what happens then? He takes and baptizes that guy and his whole family. They all get saved. And then these guys had beaten them, and they find out that Paul's a Roman citizen. And it was illegal to beat a Roman citizen without finding him guilty. It had to be ordered by Caesar, and they could have been in lots of trouble. And they said, okay, you can leave now. We're sorry. And they go, no, 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 no. You come down to the jail, and you escort us out of the city. And Paul made the, the leaders, the governors, come down and escort them out of the city. And they give great boldness and strength to the rest of the people who believe Paul. Because now they know that they're part of this and Paul is coming back. And so what happened? They went on to Thessalonica, where we're going to be talking about here. This is what happened. He says, and you know, verse 2, that even after we had suffered before at Philippi and were spitefully treated... In Philippi, Philippi is like a, a, a part of Philip, which means fond of horses, which is always interesting to me that Philip means fond of horses. I just like this stuff. And then he says, as you know, why does he know? Why do they know? Why is he writing them a letter uh, months later and saying, as you know? Because he told them the testimony of what God had done. That's what we're supposed to tell people. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not love our life to the death. So what we're doing, we're, we're learning Jesus. We're growing in Jesus. We're speaking the word of God, and then when God moves, 
We share that testimony of what God has done. He comes to Thessalonica. He's telling them about Jesus. And, and then he tells them what just happened in, in, you know, in Philippi. And they're like, wow. And so they know how he was spitefully used, how his whole crew was, and that we were bold in our God. See, because most people, as soon as somebody calls you a Jesus freak, you stop talking about Jesus. As soon as somebody says, I don't want to hear that, we stop. But they went on to the next city and kept talking about Jesus. They didn't stop talking about Jesus. They were led out, thrown in jail, and then led out by the governors. This is the power of God. See, they were in jail because God allowed it. Then they were released from jail because God allowed it. Then they went to the next city because God allowed it. But because they were willing to go, he kept using them. They were faithful. But it was not their power. But it says, so we were bold in our God, notice the possession, our God, to speak to you the gospel. Euangelion is the Greek word. Euangelion. It means good news. It means a good message or glad tidings of the kingdom of God. What's the glad tidings? That Christ paid it all. The Messiah has come. There is a Savior, Christ the Lord. He died and rose again. He paid for our sins. That's good news. You don't have to go to hell if you believe in Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, and 10. So they spoke the gospel, the good news of God in much conflict. Listen. There's always going to be conflict. The world hates the gospel. The world hates Jesus. They hated Jesus. They will hate you if you talk about Jesus. They don't want to hear it. Some people will smile and act like they're saved, but they really don't. they're embarrassed. They're ashamed of the gospel. They don't like that you're talking about it, even though they're a Christian. But we need to speak boldly. Look, for our exhortation, verse 3, did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Now let's look at that. See, because this is what, what he's alluding to is the people that are following him and they keep coming in and they're speaking in error. They're speaking uncleanness and they're being deceitful because they're trying to gain money for themselves. And there is a lot out there that hurt the name of Christ by doing the same thing. Error is the word Plano. You know, like Plano, Texas. It means fraudulence, a straying from orthodoxy, uh, the wrong mode of action. It's error also. It could have been error. Um, listen, and, I, and I, was, I was rehearsing this in my brain because we're going through John chapter 8, and we're seeing it again today in our churches. And in our, in our you know, when Jesus come on the scene, and the Messiah comes and he's walking through the city and he's got three plus years of an itinerant preacher where he's sharing the kingdom of God of what's getting ready to happen and they begin to reject him because he's preaching something different. That's what Paul's doing now. But he's really preaching what had always been preached. See, but they have created their own religion. They have walked away from the scriptures. They have walked away from God. Now they've got this little box that they're in and when he comes up and he doesn't teach what they're teaching, then they say he's the one that's wrong. 
but they don't realize that they have gotten away from the plumb line. They walked away from the word of God. God gave us a book. God gave us an example. God gave us the truth. And then all of a sudden now we're in the church today. It's apostate. It's walked away from the scriptures. We're making up what we want, what is politically correct and feels good. And I, now I don't have to be. Uh, uh, mm. And so it becomes error, unclean, and deceit. Right? And then you walk out there and you speak the word of God and they say, you're the one that's wrong. Oh, you're just judging, man. Oh, you're just being a little bit legalistic. What's this holier than now thing? Well, we're supposed to be holier than now. We're supposed to be a light on a hill. That's our position and that's our place. And then in practical walk, we're supposed to be telling people in boldness, whether we're perfect at it or not, we speak boldly the word of God because he's a perfect God with a perfect salvation. And he can do a perfect work in your life if you let and so we don't want to be the same way where we, they come up and they tell us the word of God says. You say, wait a minute, man. We, this is 2023. It's okay if a man marries a man. Wait a minute. The word of God says man and a woman, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I'm not picking on anybody, but everybody that's a sinner. Oh, oh is that everybody that's ever been born? Yes, it's every person that's ever been born has to repent of their sin. It doesn't matter what we think is good. It doesn't matter what we think is politically correct. It doesn't matter what ideas we come up with and we write our little book. If it's not God's word, then you're on your way to hell and you're in a bad place to be arguing with God. And we're seeing that in John chapter 8 on Sunday mornings where people who say they believe in Jesus, that he's the Messiah, they begin to argue with him. And all he's doing is telling them what he's seen as he walked with his father in heaven. As he had perfect fellowship with his father, he's telling us what he's seen. And he wants us to look up and know that that's our inheritance. And we should be telling people about that. I'm not talking about this down here. This down here is going to lead you to hell. If people's hearts are trapped in this down here, this is flesh and blood. It's all going to burn one day. We should be telling people about heavenly things. And the only way to do that is to have a relationship with God. Have a relationship with His Word. Learn what heavenly things are according to truth. And truth is a person. You can't say, oh, well, that's true to you, but that's not true to me. No, truth is a person. If you believe Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, then truth is a person. Because He said in John 14, 6, I am, ego of me, the way the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. There's only one. If there's not only one, then there's a bunch of other gods, and then none of them are gods. Listen, if I can pick up your gods and walk off with them, you're, that's not a god. So there's a lot of people following a bunch of uh, form of godliness, is what Paul calls it in 2 Timothy 3, but they deny the power thereof. That's the power of the word. That's the very first thing that the devil got Eve to deny was the word of God. Did God say? And the devil wants us to do what thou will, the mantra of the satanic church. Listen. So the exhortation, they come to encourage them, to exhort them, to implore them, to, to, to entreat them to turn in and believe in Jesus. That's what that, that, that exhortation means. It didn't come from error. 
They didn't just make it up and stray from, and, and it's fraud, but, but it's the truth of the Spirit. It's the truth of the Old Testament because God's a, a, a never-changing, an unchanging God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you start talking about God and you're talking about something that's not in the Scriptures and it wasn't the way He was, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, then you're making up a new God because He doesn't ever change. And so you can't just say, well, it's 2023 now, and God didn't know that they were going to be a woman born in a man's body. That's all made up. It's fluid. God does not change. His word is not fluid. It does not move. He's an unchanging God. He is the word. Remember John 1.1? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. It's the living word that come to earth and took flesh. Well, where did the word come from? God spoke. Remember Genesis 1-1, God spoke. In the beginning, God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. That's when your word goes out. And what he spoke, he spoke into existence. And then the devil rushed in to pervert it and tries to twist it and get us to follow something else. And that's why it's called the synagogues of Satan. Or it's called selfishness. See, because self can do that to you. Well, I don't want to believe that because that steps on my sin. I don't want to believe that because I want to have some fun over here. So I want to go to this church over here that lets you drink and cuss and hang out with whoever you want to. Well, then if you go sow that, you're going to reap hell. If you go sow that, you're going to reap death. It's just that simple. If you choose Jesus, you'll reap life because he is what? Remember? The way, the truth, and life. Now, you can tell him, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. I really, you know, I, I've had people get really mad at me about the homosexual issue. And listen to me. I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't like saying gay because they stole the word gay. See, we've redefined words. There, it's really, and everybody would be this way. We all pervert God's word. Listen to me. So we can say they have perverted sex, but we pervert God other ways because everything is perverted. But in the 70s, they started changing words. It was called homosexual. It was called pedophilia. It was called perversion. But it sounds really bad when you say perverted. So they go, let's clean it up. Let's call this pedophilia, and let's take this to be gay. Because gay means happy, right? It was a word that was used openly in the culture for happy. A gay day, you know what I mean? It was a nice day. So now it becomes a word that they steal to define their life, which is evil and sin. They don't have to repent of it because they're already happy. They're already gay. Then, then we just keep moving and doing that. Then they steal the rainbow. The rainbow was a sign in the heavenlies that God promised he would never flood the earth again and destroy it. It was a promise from God. So they're stealing things to make them look like they're better, but they're really perverting what God has already done. They're twisting it. And listen, that's what we do with our sin. That's what we do. Well, my sin's okay on me, but I don't like it on him. And look what they're doing, and that's messed up, and it's this, but I'm, I'm not perverted. But we all twist God's word. We twist, we wrestle with God, we fight with God. And what we need to do is ask God to help us to surrender to him. Because we all want to twist it to where it fits good for our lives, but everybody else is a sinner. Everybody else needs fixed. They all need Jesus, but I don't. See, and that's a terrible way to look at it. But for the grace of God, there go I. Such was I. We were once like. Our eyes were opened only by the grace of God. Not because we did something. Not because we have something. Not because we are somebody special. 
God wants that all men, it's not his will that any man would perish, but all would come to repentance. That's why it's, it's dangerous when you hear a lot of these churches talking about, all you got to do is believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. But if you believe that, you'll repent. So you've got to repent. You can't keep going in the same direction, living with the same mind. Because our mind is a sin nature that we're born with. It's the inheritance from Adam in the garden. And the second Adam, Jesus, gives us a new inheritance of life. The first inheritance, death. And so we were born dead. And when God opens our eyes, we come to life, resurrected, standing up. And, and, and the word resurrection means a recovery of spiritual truth. It's like waking up, your faculties coming alive, and you go, wow, born again. Now I can see the scriptures. Now I can see the truth. And you go, dad, dad, Google, Abba, Father. And you come to him, I'm serious, and you ask him to teach you. And then you want to be dependent upon him, and you want to be like him. And that's what he's doing anyway. He's creating us in his image the same way it was in the garden. So, it's not from deceit, error, or uncleanness. Deceit is de decoy or trick bait. It's some type of subtlety. It's like a, a, a guile and a, 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 a quickness of hands. Uncleanness is impurity in the quality, physical or moral. Listen, morally, you know, he's talking about they're not there to gain money. They're not there to get luxurious living. They're there that people's souls would be saved. But when you open up and look at the landscape of the church today, and you see men standing around with $10,000 suits on, having a whole fleet of Lear jets, and when you confront them, they're not even mad. They go, God wants me to be rich. It's very sad when people are starving, and they're talking about health, wealth and prosperity instead of repent and be saved from your sins. But they don't want to preach the truth with boldness because then people won't give them the money. It's sad. It's not about money. My God's not broke. Never been broke. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. That means he's got all of it. He can move anything anywhere he wants it. He can get it out of your pocket if he wants it out of your pocket. He's not broke. He owns everything. So they didn't come out of error or uncleanness. They actually came in conflict. See, because when you get thrown in prison for sharing the gospel, it'd be easier to go home. I'm going home. When the jail opens up, if you're not in tune with God and his spirit, you think, it's time to flee. But they didn't go anywhere. See, and that's what's wrong with the church today. And I'm not picking on God's bride because God's bride I would never lay my hands on. But the church today is not being led by the Spirit of God. They're being led by their flesh. So they're uncomfortable in prison because of preaching the gospel. And they run. But you're not always supposed to run unless the Holy Spirit tells you to run. You stay in the conflict. You stay in the battle. You stay in the place because you're there as a witness unless God tells you to go. See, an angel did the same thing with Peter. You know, the first martyr of the church was James, not Jesus' brother, but James the less, and, and they killed him. 
and they had arrested Peter at the same time. But what did they do? They sent an angel at the night, at the middle of the night, and the angel said, "Get up, Peter, put on your clothes, let's go," and led him out of the city, led him away, and led him to a prayer meeting where he knocks on the door, and they go, ah! "Rhoda's like freaking out. They're in there praying that Peter will be turned loose, and then he knocks on the door, and she runs off and goes, "Peter's at the door," and they go, "You're outside your mind," and they didn't even believe that God was going to do it. See, unless God tells you to leave, you don't leave. He led Peter out, but they left Paul and Silas in there because it was a witness that they weren't trying to escape. They were trying to tell people about the Most High God. And, the, and he didn't want some false, evil person doing it. Remember the girl? I told you about it, chapter 16. This girl is doing it. She is, she is being, she's being led by a demon spirit. She's not preaching the gospel, the true gospel. We have the same thing today in the Chosen series on TV. And people will go, well, why are you picking on the Chosen series? Because it's being led by a demon. It's not being led by God because they said we're going to show people uh, Jesus' faults. Here, we're going, to make, we're going to make Matthew have autism. Here, we're going to switch it and make it more familiar, make you fall in love with it, make you like it. You cannot change the word of God. If you want to put the true testimony of God, but see, here's some, here's some demons that want to advertise Jesus and get you to follow the wrong Jesus instead of the word of God. Number one thing is, is it's not by sight. It's by faith. The just shall walk by faith, not by sight. And when we hear pastors' wives even saying when they pray, they see the eyes of this actor, there is a serious demonic problem going on in the church. Listen, I've been saying it since Prince of Egypt that they were coming to tell us about Jesus, that don't listen to Hollywood because they're called stars for a reason. The stars that fell with Satan. It's demonic. Listen to me. You can think I see a demon around every corner. I do. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's from the pit of hell. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. So if you're not being led by the spirit of God, you can only be led by one other spirit, the wicked one wickedness and it looks like oh this looks like i feel like i'm doing good i'm feeding him at the soup kitchen this is great look at them they're getting clothed oh my goodness they got a house now really they're gonna die and go to hell they don't know jesus how are they doing good now the whole purpose of us being here is to come to know jesus there's no other purpose here come to know jesus and when you do you tell other people about it that's the reason we're here. Spirits in an earthly tent, in a body, for 70, 80 years. The only purpose is, is we're in a grand courtroom to come to know him and to show him, to reveal him to others, to witness of him. There is no other purpose. The most toys wins. No, the most toys dies and goes to hell. Yet he gets us chasing our own talents. He gets us chasing all of these careers and things. And then listen, it's okay to have those things, but if you don't put Jesus first in those things, those things will lead you straight to hell by the tip of your nose. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look where I'm going. So they weren't doing it from air, uncleanness. They were all in, totally sold out, left what he was doing, went with homeless just like Jesus was. Remember Jesus? Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Remember Jesus? He had one, one thing of clothing. Remember Jesus? 
He didn't even have a coin to pay the temple tax. He said, hey, Peter, go down there and go fishing. And when you pull the fish out, there'll be a coin in its mouth. Go pay for both of us. But he knew where all the coins were. He knows where all the money's at. Listen, I might sound like I might sound a tangent, but we got to wake up to what the Word of God teaches us about faith, about trusting God. They didn't do it in there. But, here it is, but... As you're like, you're pretty stressing that as. Listen, because this is what it means. As. It's not just as. Listen. According is what it means. Inasmuch, in proportion with, to the degree that, or just as, listen, just as we have been approved by God. Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak. Listen, there, there's, there's something going on here that you might not notice, but the same word is being used twice, but one of them, and it actually says in the King James, we were allowed by God instead of approved. We were allowed, privileged. We were allowed by God and then uh, entrusted and test the hearts. These are all the same words going on. Because this is what God does. He's testing them to see if they're faithful. And now they're coming and doing just as they were taught. You guys remember the communion uh, we did Sunday? Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Because that's just as. See, you get it from the Lord and you deliver it to somebody else. But see now, if you want to look good, you want to be proud, you want to be somebody, you get it from the Lord, you twist it a little bit, and you make sure it's palatable. You make sure it looks like the culture. You make sure it's good. You don't deliver it the way the Lord delivered it to you because that's boldness. But that just turns people off, Greg. You can't just walk into a store and tell them that Jesus saves because then they don't want to hear it. Well, yeah, you can yeah, you can, because the Word of God, when it's sent out, will accomplish what it's purpose to do. But you have to do it with wisdom at the right time, and you have to be led by the Spirit of God. In fact, Jude says, On some have compassion, others save with fear, hating even the garment defiled with the flesh. So you have to have that. How do you have that? How do I know which one to save with fear? How do I know which one to have compassion on? You have to have the Holy Spirit leading your life, as Paul does here. Boldness. I, I love the word boldness because that's what he prays in, in, in Ephesians 6 after he tells us to put on the armor of God. And he says, pray for all the saints with all supplication and prayer. And then he says, and pray for me that I might speak boldly the gospel as I ought to speak. Just as I ought to speak it. Because a lot of people like to cloak it. They like to wrap it in air. They like to make it really clean and sterile and make it look like, oh, I think they need this. Now, it doesn't mean, because Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some to Christ. It doesn't mean that, that, that you have to be rude or a sailor or anything, but you want to meet people where they're at with wisdom. But always look to speak boldly the gospel. But meet them where they're at. Let them have a say, but tell them the gospel. And don't leave unless you do. I think, anyway. That's my opinion. So they've been approved by God. We were allowed by God. And that's the word uh, testing or examine or scrutinize 
or deemed worthy might be a way of looking at it. Uh, and they were entrusted with the euangelion, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even so we speak, and that means uh, even so is this is the manner, the same way we got it is the same way we speak it, and we preach this way, uh, uh, and we make ourselves heard is what speak means. And then he says, not pleasing to men. Listen to me. This is one of the hardest things that we'll ever get, guys and gals, because we're men pleasers. In the flesh, we're men pleasers. And if we sit around with the gospel and we try to be men pleasers, you may never tell them about Jesus because you don't want to offend. And you want to be part of the gang. And you want to be part of what they're doing. And you don't want them to call you the odd men out. So we're men pleasers. But if you seek to please men, you'll never please God. But if you seek to please God, who's going to be testing your heart and everything, then if you please men, you'll know which ones are genuine. If you please men. Listen, Hebrews 11.6 says, For without faith it is impossible please God. For you first must believe that he is, he exists, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But you cannot please God in the flesh. You cannot do any good works to please God. It has to all be done by faith as you follow him, the author and the finisher of our faith. As you're led by the Spirit of God, as you trust and you do what the Word of God says. That's why it's so important to be in it and looking to share it with others. You know, if it was the cure for cancer, we would all be pulling that vial out of our pocket and go, look what I got. I got the cure for cancer. I want to give it to all of you at a cost. See, if it was something that everybody knew they needed at a time, but see, you first got to share with boldness that we're all sinners. Most people don't know they're sinners. We're most churches are telling them, oh, you're good. You're born in America. You're nice. And so nobody wants the cure for sin unless you first tell them that they're sinners. Why would I need the cure for... Dude, I don't need your, your radiation or your chemo or your fancy pills. I don't have cancer. <laughs> but now when that doctor says, hey, guess what? There's a lump there. You've got cancer. You're wanting it. You're saying, okay, well, what do we do? I want to live. Be careful, because you haven't asked God yet. You haven't asked God yet. Is this what I'm supposed to do, God? First name's always God, not the doctor. But our physical, earthly man wants to run straight to the doctor, wants to believe the doctor, wants to give the doctor control of our whole life instead of God. So not pleasing men. <laughs> it's funny that somebody say that uh, I step on their toes on something. I say, well, that's funny. I wasn't aiming at your toes. I was aiming at your heart. I was trying to pierce your heart with the word of God, not your toes. It's just a joke. And then why are we trying to be pleasing to God and not men? Because God tests the hearts. See, he tests us. He's trying us. He's examining us. He allows suffering and pain and conflict to go on to see if we'll still listen to him, we'll still obey him, we'll still follow him, that we'll count the cost, and we'll keep speaking about 
Jesus no matter what they do to us. See, because we don't know our hearts. I know. You guys are like, I know my heart. No, you don't. If you knew your heart, you'd give up. So God doesn't let you see your whole heart. But he's showing you your heart. He's revealing your heart. And when he reveals it, you go, Lord, that is my heart. I really am that. Would you forgive me? Lord, can you lead me out of this? Lord, can you wash me and cleanse me of that? Lord, can you save me from that? He's like, I already did. <coughs> All you got to do is believe me and repent. He wants us to know what's in our heart. Listen, he's testing the hearts. That's what he does. What does it mean? It, it's trieth in the King James, who trieth the hearts. It's the same word up above that have been approved. It's the same word for approved or allowed. It's the exact same word, to scrutinize, to deem worthy, to examine, to put on trial. It's a testing because we're in a great courtroom and God's calling witnesses and he wants people to, to be cross-examined, to learn the word of God. Okay, listen, if you were cross-examined by somebody, can you tell them the word of God? Can you stand and make a defense for the gospel? What you've seen? Not without the Spirit. Not without the Spirit. You have to have your paralegal with you. The Holy Spirit. That's what it is. He's a paralegal. He's the paracletus, the one who comes alongside to help. And then he comes and lives in you. And then when you surrender to him and let him show you your heart, he's testing and trying you. In fact, I never did do that, did I? He's testing the hearts. Let's do a couple things. We'll get back to testing the heart. Let's look over. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 17. I want to read it because it's really good. Here they are. They've been. You guys will have to read the chapter 16 by yourself. So in Acts chapter 17. We're really given this account. When they left Philippi, 17.1 says, Now when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollon Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now what does that tell us? See, because that tells us a lot of stuff. If you know historicity, then you know that there had to be 10 adult Jews, Jewish males, in order for them to build a synagogue. They wouldn't build a synagogue unless there was 10 adult Jews. So there's a pretty good amount of Jews in this city for them to build a synagogue. And this was Paul's custom. Look, verse 2. Then Paul, as was his custom, went into them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Listen, for three Sabbaths, he always waits. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then to the Greek. And for a long period of time, he always went to the Jews first, the Jews first, the Jews first. And then he would go to the Gentiles. And reason means to speak thoroughly, to say thoroughly, to discuss an argument or exhortation. Like we just talked about what he had just been doing without error, without deceit, without uncleanness. He exhorted them and he's reasoning and disputing, preaching and speaking to them in the synagogues for three Sabbaths. And he's explaining the scriptures. He's demonstrating by Old Testament uh, 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 testimonies that the Christ had to suffer 
and rise again from the dead. We don't have time, or I'd show you scripture in the Psalms in different places that prophesied. Isaiah 53, all these things had to happen. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. To these Jews, he's saying he is the Messiah, the Mashiach of God. And they're hearing him and going, oh, really? And, and, and see, some, it says, and some of them were persuaded. Some of them believed. And a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Now, see, that wasn't the Jews. That was the Greeks. That was the Gentiles. You okay, baby? Low? But the Jews who were not persuaded. Notice this. There's always going to be, it brings division. The word always when you preach brings a sword. It's division. God did not come to bring everybody together unless they repent and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. The Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, they didn't like that Paul was being heard, took some of the evil men of the marketplace and gathering a mob, they set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Listen, they'll join with anybody. Death culture joins with anybody. It's all these people joined together that hate Jesus. Listen to me. They hate Jesus. It isn't just, oh, I don't believe that. No, you hate Jesus because when you love him and believe him, you'll begin to ask him to change you. But we don't want to hear that. We hate him. We want to kill his word so that it has no place in our life, so that we don't have to change, so we can keep on believing what we believe. But he comes out of, in our darkness and shines his light and says, I've come to set you free. What I set free is free indeed. Verse 6. But when they had, did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Notice, because really they turned the world right side up. But when you're looking at it in a demonic influence, it's upside down. You guys got me? Listen to me, because we're born in the garden. Adam was born in the garden. Listen. Adam was born in the garden, a trichotomy in the image of God. See, there's a trinity God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in the garden, he was created a trichotomy. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit was first because he's walking with God every day. Right? Sin comes in. He gets flipped upside downward, and now it's body, soul, spirit last. Spirit dead. And now he's doing what the body says, feel good, do it. And then his soul, his mind, will, and emotion starts getting all messed up. And he's covering himself with fig leaves. And his spirit's totally dead. Jesus comes, he breathes on you, you believe it again, you're flipped right side up again. And now your spirit, soul, and body again. And now your spirit is married to God's spirit. And you can begin to correct your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and then tell your body, no. No, get in the grave. You're crucified. We're not going to do what feels good. We're not going to go by emotion or feeling. We're going to live by truth. We're going to follow the word of God. The spirit of God is going to lead us into all truth. Right? Now, here comes the, the other part. The world, underneath the sway of the wicked one, they've got their own little book, and it's all made up on a dichotomy. Two, leaves the spirit of man out, and it's all biology and body. It's all brain fluid and body. 
It's a dichotomy. So every bit of science that they do starts with a lie, so it has to come up with a lie. If you sow a lie, you'll reap a lie. They leave the truth out. They start with two. They're going to end up with two. That's a lie. We know we're sinners. We know that we are trichotomy. We want to hear the, tri the triune God and his wisdom. We don't want to hear their dichotomy. No matter how good it sounds, don't listen to them because they start with a lie. They have to end with a lie. Now listen, a blind squirrel can find a nut if he scurries around enough. If it lines up with the word of God and lines up with the trichotomy, you can go, that's good. But I'd like it the way the word of God says it, not the way they're saying it. I want to speak truth, not what they're saying, because then I give them credibility. So you don't find somebody that's a total heathen dog like Freud or Skinner or all these behavioralists. And because they got one little nut as blind squirrels and they said one thing that sounded good, you don't start quoting them. Just quote the Bible. Just tell people truth. Lead them back to the fountain of living water. Don't lead them to some behavioralist. Lead them back to the fount of living water where they can find truth and do it boldly and don't be ashamed of it. If you're truly saved and you truly believe, you can put all your eggs in this basket. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He will not fulfill you. He will always do what he said he's going to do. He called us and he will also do it. Oh, I get excited about this stuff because I was a heathen. I'm still a heathen in my mind sometimes. But he's washing, he's cleansing me, he's changing me. I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm no longer who I was. Praise the Lord. So they turn the world upside down is the way the world looks at it. But really, they turned it right side up when you believe it. It's back the way it's supposed to be so you can begin to follow the light, follow the truth, and be led into heavenly places. Jason has harbored them, so they're blaming Jason, and these are all acting contrary, listen, to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. Listen, that's coming again. Everything's converging. It's going to one voice. And if you do not say what they're saying, you're acting contrary to Caesar's government. You're acting contrary to the one world government, and you're going to be odd man out. You're going to have to take a mark, or you're going to be acting contrary. So you have to know who King Jesus is. You better prepare yourself, because it's going to be really hard when there's no food, and they say, if you want some food, come over here. It's going to be really hard to say, uh, no thanks. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to hold your flesh hostage to where you have to believe them and say what they're saying and do what Caesar says. Remember, we read it today, didn't we? They tried to trick Jesus, and they come to him, and they said, we know you're a good teacher, and you do all things right, and I'm just paraphrasing. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? He says, why do you? Why do you test me? Bring me a Daenerys. And they brought him a Daenerys. And he said to him, whose image is this? And they said, Caesar. And he said, well, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God. Listen to me. Whose image is on you? See, we're created in the image of God. And then sin took that image away. And we started living for self. And now we have a new image upon us. And if we're living for God, we surrender everything to God. And if Caesar wants his house, if Caesar wants his car, if Caesar wants his money, if he wants Bitcoin or whatever in the world he wants to do, I don't care. I want to tell people about Jesus because I want them to come to know him and be able to be conformed to his image. 
and go to heaven and live with him forever because all this other stuff's going to burn. It's coming really fast. If you don't learn to discern and listen or believe, find some people that know the word of God and trust what they're saying. I'm not trying to get any followers. Listen, it's hard enough when you got one follower. Now you got responsibility. That's a wife. I got one wife. How Solomon has 700 wives and 300 concubines, I have no idea. But guess what happened to him? He built temples to every god there was and walked away from God. But he came back and said, it's vanity. Listen to me. My point here is this. It's coming. They're going to use AI even to deceive. Right now, they can put anything they want on the screen. They can put it on your phone. They can tell you any lie they want. They can make it look good. They can make it look perfect. They can tell you the same lie so much that you believe it. And you go, well, I'm going to follow them. They obviously know what they're talking about. They're the government. They got all the money. And you end up following the blind and end up in a ditch. Dead in a ditch deep in a grave instead of following God. And God has given us truth and eyes to see and ears to hear what he's saying to the church. But it's up to us to decide, am I going to follow God or follow Caesar? Very difficult because they're deceptive. The Bible says they would deceive even the elect if it were possible. Oh, where are we at? Verse 8, they're, they're saying there's another king other than the Antichrist, King Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security, they had to pay bond. They let Jason and the rest of them go. God's testing our hearts, people. I don't know what's going on in your life, but just hear what he says. Back in our text, 2-4. But as we have been allowed by God to be trusted with the good news of the gospel, even so we should be speaking. That's what Paul said he's doing. That's his testimony. Not as pleasing men. Listen, we're taught from the beginning of school, from birth, to please men. Unless, of course, we had Christian parents and they trained us in the way we're supposed to go. To always put God before men. God first but God who tests the hearts. I want to speak, and it's difficult. You get in a crowd of people, and you can do some dumb stuff. Billy Graham kissed the Pope's ring. I'm not speaking evil of Billy Graham. I've never been in the presence of the Pope. I've never been put in the situation where the whole world's watching me. I've never been invited to something like that and go, oh my goodness, it was wrong though. See, the Pope's title is the Pontifus Maximus, which means the head of the pagan priesthood. And they're trying to bring everybody back into the Catholic Church after we had a Protestant Reformation, a reform, because they stole the church, and they changed the church, and they brought in icons and lies and deception and worship of Mary. And you can't say that Catholics are Christians with us. They're not. They're not. They just simply are not. And while we're on it, neither, neither the Islamic people are not serving the same God. They say Allah has no son. We're, we're, we're believing in the son of God because he died for us. And they say Allah has no son. And we have people like Rick Ward that comes up with Chrislam and says they're serving the same God. Wait a minute, their book says Allah has no son. 
or Mormons. Mormons are not Christian. They believe in the little gods. You go study it out. They believe that I can marry my wife. We have children. We plant. If we do the right things, then we're going to go and we're going to plant our own planet one day and have our own nation. That Jesus was just one of one God that had this planet. And that there's other people that have other plans, a little God syndrome. Who else wanted to be like God? Satan did. And that's what they teach. It's not a joke. Their leader, Joseph Smith, was killed in a shootout, breaking out of jail in Illinois. He taught all these lies. He took, he took and put his face in a bag. He found these tablets and he translated their whole new their new new. Bible, the Mormon Bible, with only him seeing it from a spirit called Moroni. And then another guy moves into town who's a Christian and started a newspaper and wrote an article about him. He had it burnt down. Joseph Smith did. So they arrested him, put him in jail. His elders came to break him out. There's a big shootout. Police were killed. He was killed. And then now you get to the 21st century. Illinois is, is apologizing to the Mormon church. And he was a pedophile, yes. They married kids, and, and, and that's, that's the Mormon faith. I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm not going to sit up here and put up with you saying that that is. The Jehovah Witnesses, they're, they're not saved. They're not Christians. We have to know the Word of God. We have to know truth, or we will follow a lie. We love darkness, and we try to extinguish the light. But the light has come to set us free. And we need to follow the light. He says, my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. He shows us where to go. He wakes us up, but we have to trust him. Where in the world are you, Greg? How do you go clear over there? Picking on the other people that are worshiping the synagogues of Satan. Well, God's testing our hearts. See, he'll allow us to walk in error for a minute to test your heart. Man, when you get saved, listen, there's a honeymoon period, and then all of a sudden, boom. Where'd he go? Well, what'd you, what'd you learn in school? The teacher lectures you all week long, and then everybody put your books away, there's a test. What'd you learn? And see, you're learning the word of God so that when the test comes, you can apply it to your life. And this is not pass or fail. God's not kicking you out. He's not giving you an F. What he does is say, ooh, you didn't trust me. You didn't apply my word. You didn't speak boldly. And he says, now I'll show you. And he's always doing is showing your heart. He's testing our hearts so that we can know what's in our heart. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8. 8 just happens to be the new beginnings. But listen, God's not trying to kick us out. He could have kicked us out before. He's trying to change us into his image and get us to surrender to his ways, to his word, to his truth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, fifth book of the Bible. Is that the fifth book? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Eight. Number of new beginnings. It is a new beginning. They're going to be going into the promised land. Promised with a D on the end. He promised them the land of milk and honey. Promised land, heaven is for us. Promised was what he told them he'd give them. I believe they had that right. So in Deuteronomy 8.1, Moses is telling them, giving the law the second time, which is basically what Deuteronomy means, second time, the giving. First, the first generation disobeyed God. 
And for 40 years they went around the same mountain and they all died in the wilderness, number of judgment. The only two that were 20 or older that goes into the new promised land across the Jordan is Joshua and Caleb. Listen, Caleb means dog. Joshua means the Lord is salvation. It's the Hebrew for Jesus. Very important because worship is like a dog licking his master's hand. And one of them's Jesus and one of them's a dog. That's the only two going into the promised land. The two that get this picture and understand this concept of worship. Doesn't mean you're a dog. Like you're a dog. But the Gentiles were called dogs. Even Jesus called them dogs. So look, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That's obey New Testament. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Now listen to me. Because then it was a land where Canaan land. To you and I, we've been told that we're given an inheritance of heaven. And it's not that we're saved by obeying. But now because we believe in Jesus, the penalty is gone. See, the wages of sin and not obeying is death. But now the, the standard hasn't changed. Now he said it's free from the penalty so we can run the race and rest in peace. We don't have to worry about, oh, man, I messed up. Now they're going to kill me. No, no, no. No, Jesus already took the death for us. So now when we mess up, when we're running the race, all you have to do is ask him to forgive you. And he washes and cleanses you. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you. Because it's all part of the washing and the cleansing. I wish I had time to go into it, but if you go look, when we're reading through the Bible, you guys reading with me? You guys reading through the Bible? You're in Leviticus, and he says, I'm not going to empty the land out all at once. I'm going to do it little bit by little bit. Because if I empty it all at once, it'll be overthrown with other wild animals and all kinds of things. And see, that's what sanctification is about. He does it a little bit at a time as he shows you your heart. See, if, God, if all of a sudden we were just all perfect walking around, positionally we are, but practically we know we're not, then we forget God. Just like the Canaanite, just like they did when they went into Canaan land. But see, he didn't he didn't destroy the land. When they got there, the gardens were growing, the houses were built, it was all there. And he said, Now start weeding out the ites. And to you and me, it's getting rid of the sin in our life, getting rid of the 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 the, the uh, things that are flesh. To them it was actual people, they had to kill them. You and I kill them by obeying God's word, by confessing them to him that that's bad. Lord, can you take it from me? Listen, I don't have the quote on that, Michael. I know you're looking for it, but it's in there. Where I will not empty the land. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were looking for it. Watch verse 2. This is where it is. And you shall remember. This is a memorial that the Lord your God led you. Notice they were being led fire by night, cloud by day, all the way these 40 years judgment in the wilderness why did he do it, Greg? To humble you and to test you, because God tests the hearts. Why? To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. His commandments or not. See, listen, God already knows what's in our heart. He isn't doing anything going, oh, I knew you'd come do that, you filthy bum. He's not, he's not disappointed because he already knows the future. God's never disappointed with you. Is, is he against sin? Will he chastise you for your sin? Will he deal with you over sin? Yes. But he's not disappointed because he already knew what you were going to do. And disappointment takes expectation. And he's not expecting anything. He's doing everything for us. But he wants us to learn what's in our heart. So he lets us to go through the wilderness. He lets us go through things to see if we would do what? Let's look. So he humbled you, verse 3, 
and allowed you to hunger and to feed you with manna. We're reading that in Exodus, which you did not even know, nor did your fathers know, that he makes you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This is the verse that Jesus uses in Matthew 4. He uses when the devil tempts him. It's exactly where he quotes from, the Old Testament. This word, you and I need to learn in our hearts as he tests us that we don't live by the physical, but we live by every word, the living bread of life that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because if you don't learn to walk by faith and follow Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, you're going to follow the physical. You're going to follow the fleshly. You're going to be fighting in physical battles. You're not going to trust God. And when the, when the earthquake happens and the doors open and the chains are broken, you'll run and go, feet don't fail me now. I'm going home. I ain't going to tell nobody more about Jesus because they put me in jail for it. Ain't casting out no more demons. I'm going home. But when you know that Jesus is there and you know what you're called to do, you know what your inheritance is, you know where you're going if they kill you, you can speak it with boldness no matter what. So God wants to test our hearts and he wants to lead us. Watch this, verse 4. Not just that you live by the word of God, but notice what happened while they were. Your garments did not wear out on you 40 years in the wilderness, nor did your feet swell for 40 years you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Listen, God will supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But it's always going to be spiritual needs first. If he throws in the world and throws in physical needs, that's just bonus. But we want to look for our spiritual needs first. Actually, if you read through uh, the Proverbs, that was today's Proverbs. Uh, three eleven says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Notice that here in 8.5, You should know in your heart that a man, as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens you. Listen, he allows things to happen. He allows you to be tested. He's, he's, he's bringing chastisement, and, it, and it's not discipline to hurt you. It's discipline to train you. It's like discipline in a child. You're training that child. You don't spank a child to hurt it. You spank it so that it remembers not to touch the plug in again. You spank it so it remembers not to run out in the road again because you don't want it to die. A good father is giving boundaries and showing where you should live in the light and walk in the light and not run over here and hurt yourself because you're going to need to know that in the future when God tests you the next time. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Why? Because it's the perfect way. It's the beginning of wisdom. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, fountain and springs that flow in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread with, without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land which, whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Listen, everything is there. All your needs provided for. That's what he's telling them. You and I... Think about this. This was a shadow of things to come. Heavenly things is what you and I have promised to us. Heavenly things. Not just taking care of down here, but when we die, we're going into heaven. Streets of gold. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to pop. 
When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good of the land which he has given you. Okay, this is what we were supposed to do. Be thankful. It's what they were supposed to do. Be thankful. Look what happened. Beware. Uh-oh, there's a no trespassing sign. Beware. Don't go here. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you that you're going to get saved by keeping God's commandments. You're saved by believing in Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus, he puts his spirit in you that would want you, that would want you to obey and follow Jesus. So he's going to give you the capacity to obey. And when he shines his light and you go into the darkness, he's going to say, hey, hey, that's bad heart. Come back over into light. And he's doing it to correct you so you will walk in the way you're supposed to go, not to kill you. He could have killed you before. He loves you now. But if you're truly saved, you'll want to walk in the light and have fellowship with him and eat at the Lord's table. So beware, because there's a warning. Guess what? John chapter 8, that's what happened. They knew the word of God. They passed it down. Oh, no, they didn't either, did they? They kept, they kept apostatizing. They kept forgetting it. They kept handing down a rewritten word to where you get to the day Jesus comes in, and they don't even know what's going on. They've made up their own religion, and the Lord of glory standing in their face there to save them and die on the cross, and they go, you got a demon. That's how far they were away from God. And guess what? You look around in the world today. People that got demons, people want to follow the people that got the truth of God's word, they don't want none of that. It's upside down. See, that's what they said. They turned the world upside down. No, they turned it right side up. We want to follow something that tickles our ears and that feels good to us. Oh, I feel good about this. I'm going to go follow what they're doing. Let's get a pocket full of quarters and wait on that spaceship. I think we can do that. And I'm not making fun of anybody that lost family in that. But if you don't know the word of God, you'll do something crazy like that. Okay, let's go follow David Koresh. All the women upstairs with me. Hell, you guys, stay downstairs and guard the house. I got all the women upstairs. I'll keep them safe. I mean, if you don't know God, you'll do anything. Get guns. You guys get the guns. We're upstairs. We got it. We got these rooms. We're cleaning them. You guys take care of it down there. I'm sorry. I'm being a little bit facetious. But when you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God is leading you, you don't follow nutcases that don't know nothing about the Word of God. But if you ignore God and his spirit, you'll listen to somebody who's a good orator, who teaches stuff. Ever, you ever watch Joe Olstein? That's my Bible. You never open it, dude. You talk about everything but the Bible. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. He wants you to have your best life now. Really? Down here? When there's heaven? I'm going to have my best life now? How insane and demonic is that? God's testing and trying me down here. He's shaping me into his image. He wants to take me home where I get to rule and reign with him in, in the millennial kingdom. And you think I'm having my best life down here? See, that puts your mind in chasing stuff, getting stuff. And you go, boy, he is really preaching it up here. He's sending some money. And the only thing he's doing is tickling you, making you think that this is how I go, follow him, because I get all this stuff. Jesus had nothing, except he had everything, because he was obeying the Father. I know, it's a long message. You guys have been here long enough, you'll know that.
Where was I at? Verse 11, beware. Listen, have you read the warning signs? There's a bunch of liars out there teaching everything but the gospel. And all they're doing is fleecing the flock. All they're doing is fleecing the flock. They just want your money. Send us your money. Really? God's not broke. A lot of his people are because they're sending their money to charlatans. People that have deceit and error and uncleanness involved. They want to buy them nice suits and jet planes. Instead of teach the gospel with boldness, they want to make up stuff and, and use craft and, and, and demonic stuff to get you to follow them. When you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds and your flock multiply, verse 13 of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, that's pride, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Egypt is always the world to us from the house of bondage. 15. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water from out of a flinty rock. Notice he's given this testimony that we've been reading to you guys of Exodus. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which means what is it? Uh, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and he might test you to do you good in the end. See, everything that God's doing is to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, look where we go astray at in our heart, my power, my might, and my hand have gained me this wealth. Not a good thing to say. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify, I give witness against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Notice again, it's the voice. Did you see the voice? My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 26. Let's go back to our text. Let's close this up. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Learn the word of God. Allow the spirit of God to use your life. Speak with boldness. All, that means all outspokenness. Even in the face of fear. All outspokenness. Because God is with you. What can man do to me? Because God is testing our hearts. And listen, it doesn't mean like a sailor. You know, sometimes the best things that happen in preaching the gospel is one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes the best way to speak the gospel is not to embarrass somebody. I tell people all the time, if you see me sharing the gospel with somebody, don't walk up and jump in the conversation like it's, like it's just a simple old conversation. Somebody's eternity is being moved, and as soon as somebody else steps into it, you've, you've embarrassed them and put them in a compromising position where now they won't make the same decisions because they're afraid of what you're going to say. So it's really important. Just step back and pray for that person if you see somebody sharing the gospel. Pray that that person's soul will be saved. We used to do it up at Harvest in Lafayette. People, we'd do altar calls. I don't do them anymore, but people would do them. And everybody get up and try to get to their car first while somebody's eternity was being changed. And people didn't even care that their eternity was being changed. And they were receiving the Lord. And they would just say, I get to the parking lot faster than anybody else now. 
you know, and, and really we need to be concerned about souls because that's the only ministry we've ever been given. As God tests our hearts, then he's testing our hearts with approval. He allows us to go out and tell other people the gospel so he can test their hearts that they believe. He's testing their hearts. When, you're, when you speak the word of God to somebody, their conscience just now has to decide, yay or nay, are they going to pass the test? Do we care? Are we praying for people's salvation? So here we are. He's testing our hearts. May we be found faithful. That's the only thing that we're called to do is be faithful. Don't I have that quote there somewhere? I had it written down somewhere. First Corinthians 4.2, I think. I think that's where we can be. Don't go there. Let's go on and close this out. For neither at any time did we use flattering words. That's manipulation. Flattering words. Listen, flattery is probably more destructive than gossip. Here's a simple definition of it. Flattery is something you'll say to somebody's face, but you don't say it behind their back. Because you're flattering them. You're trying to manipulate them and get them to do something. Gossip is something you say behind their back, you won't say to their face. They, you just want to talk about it, but you would never say it about them. Flattery is something you say to their face to get them to do something, but you never go off and say the same thing about them someplace else. See that? That's flattery. As you know, they, they didn't use flattering words. There was no manipulation. They, 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 they simply brought boldness, the truth of the gospel. As you know, nor a cloak. What's a cloak? In this culture, it was an outer garment. There was always something underneath it. Cloak is the outer garment. So there's not something hidden. It wasn't a cloak for covetousness, which means greediness. This wasn't my outer garment. I'm saying this because I want to be greedy and I want to get, and I covet what you've got and you can give me something. They were genuinely there to see souls saved. That's it. To do God's will, to be faithful. God is, is witness. And see, they call upon God to be the witness. Because God's ultimately, if, if you wish to go over to, to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 4, you find out he says he doesn't even judge himself. God's the only one that judges him. In the spiritual realm, God's the one that's going to find, be the final person you stand before. So to flatter or to have an outward cloak or you have some other reason why you're going to church or wanting to live for God instead of just a true heart that wants to be tested and be found faithful, you can't deceive God. He already knows your heart. He's trying to show you your heart so you'll confess and go, wow, you're right, God. That is, I am the man. You're the one that did it. And then you confess it before him. And then, when you confess it and agree with him, he can wash and cleanse you. Nor did we seek glory from men. They're not looking for any type of exaltation, either from you or from others. When we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, because really, as apostles of Christ, they had a lot of authority. He had a lot of authority. But we were gentle among you. Watch this. Just as nursing mothers cherish her own children. Why did I say watch this? Watch mothers in italics, but just as nursing cherishes her own children, the, the content is a mother. You look down in verse 11, there's a father because we're in a family. And we have to understand that, that God uses terms all the time about marriage and family. 
marriage is the first institution that he ever did and he said go start the second one family and that's what the kingdom of God is all about marriage and family that's why you see TV shows that bash it and tear it up and tell you to do something different because it's an attack from death culture to hate God and what he said to do that's why marriage is under attack family is under attack that's why everything is under attack in fact let's just go there why are we talking about racism? Because the Bible uses light and darkness. So white becomes light and black becomes darkness. And so the attack is really on white or light, but it's really against truth. That's the true attack. But if we take it and make it physical, we can get people to fight each other and not even realize that they're participating in death culture and trying to kill the truth of light which is represented by the white in the Bible. There's God's, God's, we're talking about spirits. It's not about the color of anybody's skin. It's about the nature in your life. You were born dead. If you don't come back to life, you're going to hell. The devil wants us all to go to hell, so he wants us all fighting. When I was in prison, we called it Hate and Humiliation Week. They would keep us fighting all the time. They'd turn gangs against each other. They'd start rumors. They'd do everything to keep you from knowing that there's 120 guys on one dorm and there's two people guarding you. But they'd always keep you fighting. You'd never see what was really going on, that you were the stronger of the two. And this is what happens all the time. The government wants to always, that's already dissuade the wicked one, keep people fighting so that they can be in control and they can have the power if they control the narrative instead of God controlling the narrative. You're set free. I don't want to fight in their battle. I'm just telling you what they're doing. I have no, no concern. I'm going to tell, it doesn't matter what your color is, I'm going to try to tell you about Jesus if I meet you. I don't even care what you're dressed like, I'm going to try to tell you about Jesus. That's just what we're called to do. Boldly, with wisdom. Where are we at? Seven. No, eight. 1 Thessalonians 2 8. So affectionately and longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. See, they were family. They were laying down their lives to live. And, and really, I got beside this Sasha in Ukraine. This is the verse. We had a girl come 20 years ago from Ukraine that got saved and was doing Bible studies over. It came with our spiritual grandpa, came from Ukraine. And this was her life verse right here because they came over to Ukraine and shared the gospel and their lives and laid their lives down from America, gave up everything over here to bring the gospel to them over there with boldness. And that was her life verse. And she began to teach the scriptures. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. They taught the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved ourselves among you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, because he's now their spiritual father, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, worthy, and we'll close means appropriately after a godly sort faithfully that's how worthily is we learn it we want to walk by it we want to be led by the spirit we want to go and tell others according to what he tells us to do 
and not according to the emotions and feelings and the, and, the, and the press releases and all the chaos that's going on in the physical. Even when your physical's going on, remember that person that's involved needs to know Jesus. Next week. Second uh, Corinthians 5:20. 2 Corinthians 5.20 is your memory verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, if we're going to speak boldly, we have to understand that we're ambassadors from heaven. That's where our home is. That's where our citizenship is. And now we're going as if Christ is pleading through us by his spirit. We implore you, be reconciled to God. The only ministry the church has is the ministry of reconciliating the world to God. And how do you do that? By speaking the truth boldly as we ought to speak. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for testing our hearts, Lord. Help us to hear the rebukes of life. Help us to repent when you rebuke us and convict us and help us to receive the exhortation and to walk humbly with you, Lord, our God. Teach us how to speak, how to be the witnesses you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, for his glory, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.